Okay, so this part is about the joints. Uh, when we study the bones first, we have to transition into the study of the muscles. And next thing that we will do with the muscles after we finish with this joint. And to understand the function of the skeleton, one of them is movement, and the movement is thanks to the action of the muscles. But there's all principles, like the muscles when they when we see where they are attached to, which bones, the muscles are always crossing over the joints. And the joints, they have some features, characteristics, important characteristics that allow movement in different angles. And definition of a joint, which is also called, they are also called articulations. The definition is, is a site where two or more bones meet. Like the femur and the tibia, like the scapula with the humerus, they determine the shoulder joint. So it's anywhere where two bones meet. And muscles are usually crossing <coughs> over the joint. So when they pull, when they contract, they bring one, over, one bone over the other or get one bone closer to other, and that's how we have the different movements thanks to the joints and the muscles. There are two ways to classify the joints. One criterion is based on the structure, and the second criteria is a functional classification. By the structure, we can classify the joints in three types fibrous joints, cartilaginous joints, and synovial joints. And we'll give examples of each type and mention the main features of each of these type of joints. And the second criterion divides according to the function, and the function based on the movement that the joint allows. Like there are joints which are immovable, immovable at all. You cannot move them, they are fixed. And those are called synarthroses. There are a group of joints that move, but slightly, and those are called amphiarthroses. And the last group, called diarthroses, are joints that allow movement in many different directions. They are very movable, very, very movable, diarthrosis. So two ways to classify the different types of joints. We usually, we're going to describe the structure classification first, and then going to mention what characteristics they have, if they are movable, not movable, and that will be the second criteria. Start with the fibrous joint. Fibrous joints, most of them are immovable, so they cannot be moved. They are fixed in one another way. These bones are joined by dense fibrous connective tissue. They don't have any cavity in between at the joint. There's no cavity, it's just a membrane of fibrous connective tissue. And there are three three types of fibrous joints. Sutures, syndesmosis, and gonfoses. We have seen sutures when we did bones, axial skeleton, 
we mentioned the longitudinal suture, the coronal suture, lambdoid suture, uh, following this description of the fibrous joint. So here we go, an example, sutures and the skull, bone skulls. What's in that line, regal line? It's a membrane of fibrous connective tissue and this is immovable. You cannot move the bones of the skull. Syndesmosis, an example of syndesmosis, the second subtype, is located in the joint between the fibula and the tibia. Between the fibula and the tibia. Where a ligament holds this joint very strongly. And the movement is very limited. And gonfosis, which is also a type of fibrous joint, a good example is the tooth, the tooth in the sockets of the maxillary bone and in the mandible. In this case, that fibrous membrane has a name, and the dentists know very well about this, that's called the periodontal ligament that connects the tooth to the bone, to the maxillary bone or the mandible. And this is a type of joint, fibrous joint gonfosis. Cartilaginous joints. These joints are united by cartilage. There's no cavity. There's bone, cartilage, bone. They're not so movable. And we have two types, synchondrosis and symphysis. Synchondrosis, like, we have examples here, like the joint between the first rib and the sternum. where you have the bone, which is the rib, then a cartilage, and then the next bone sternum. That is a synchondrosis cartilaginous joint, as well as the other ribs. Remember we said the rib connects to a cartilage and then the cartilage connects to the sternum. Well, that is a type of synchondrosis. Not so movable. They are movable, but not so much. And the epiphyseal plate which runs between the epiphysis and the diaphysis of the long bones, the epiphyseal plate. And the symphysis, we just described, the pubic symphysis, that joint in between the two pubic bones, the pubic symphysis, which is fibrocartilage, and it can also be described in the intervertebral disc because it's fibrocartilaginous intervertebral disc. is a cartilaginous joint. And the third type, fibrous, cartilaginous, and the third type is synovial joints. The synovial joints 
almost all joints in the limb, in the limbs, upper and lower, are synovial joints. And the main thing is about the synovial joints is that they have a cavity which is filled with fluid. And since this cavity and uh, located in the limbs, they are diarthroses, so they are freely movable. They have a lot of movement. And thanks to that is that we can make all the movements with the bones of our limbs. So the general structure, there are six features of a synovial joint. Six features in the synovial joint. The articular cartilage, which is that cartilage covering the epiphysis of the bones that are going to be part of the joint. A joint cavity or synovial cavity, either one, the same, which is a cavity in between these bones and that contain a fluid called synovial fluid. Three, the articular capsule, fibrous tissue, ligaments covering the whole area of the joint, the articular capsule. Synovial fluid, which contains a filtrate of plasma and it contains hyaluronic acid. Five ligaments that will provide a stability to the joint. And nerves and blood vessels, nerve and blood supply. These are the six features of the synovial joints. If we can see that in the picture, we see an example of two bones here, two long bones connected, and we can see all these components here. We can see the articular cartilage shown in blue, covering both surfaces that are involved in the joint. We can see the capsule, the articular capsule, which has many components. It has a fibrous layer outside, Inside it has a membrane called synovial membrane, which is a group of cells that secrete the fluid all the time. That's synovial fluid. The joint cavity containing the synovial fluid, shown in green. And a bunch of ligaments around that are going to provide stability to that joint. Besides, Besides all these six features, there are other structures around the joint which are called extra-articular components. Two of them, which are important to remember, are called bursae and tendon sheaths. What are bursae and tendon sheaths? They are actually bags of synovial fluid and synovial membrane that are not part of the joint, but they are associated to them and it helps like the bursae they help to reduce friction in between ligaments between tendons or between bones and and ligaments so there are like cushions little cushions that are located in some places around the joint 
and tendon sheets are actually the same bursae but long and they are wrapping tendons tendons are usually subject to a lot of friction a couple of examples it's very common that people has uh, people have pain in the shoulder on the very top in the acromion but it's actually a bursae here and what happens is when people have a lot of movements or repetitious movements because of many activities they have shoulder pain and that's sometimes the bursae that gets inflamed but that's the point of the bursae reduce the friction but it gets inflamed and produce pain and that pain is not coming from the joint it's not coming from the bones it's just the bursae but it's very painful and it's treated with anti-inflammatories and uh, some hot compresses on the top and other measures tendon sheets again the shoulder sometimes will have pain in the shoulder and is a tendinitis is an inflammation of the bursae that wraps the long head of the biceps because this muscle has a very long tendon and repetitious movements may inflame that bursae around it so these are these 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 uh, extra-articular components are actually important to protect some of these the structures of the synovial joints because synovial joints move in many directions and there are diarthrosis, freely movable joints. We see a, a, a diagram of this bursae. Look at this. There's a subacromial bursa shown in green. That is very commonly affected. That's what I was speaking about. And it's, the goal is to reduce the friction between the acromion and the surface of the joint. And here's a tendon sheath. The tendon of the long hair of the biceps. It's a very long tendon, but it goes around the joint, and so it is wrapped by a sheath which has the same components of a bursis, a bag of synovial fluid, to protect, to protect this tendon and bone against the friction effect. Sometimes treatment of these uh, bursitis tendinitis in, involves the we call infiltration with uh, corticoids like hydrocortisone and other components. They infiltrate, they have with the syringe and the needle and inject uh, that solution superficially, not into the joint. And that is one of the treatments for the bursitis or tendinitis. When the joint moves, is the action of the muscles. So the joint works thanks to the muscles. And when the muscles connect to the bones, there are two places where these muscles attach to. One of them, one of the attachments is called the origin, and the other attachment is called the insertion. The origin is that attachment to the bone that doesn't move. And the insertion is the attachment to the bone that moves. For instance, the biceps, the muscle we have here in the arm anteriorly, the movement of the biceps is this, flexion of the forearm. And the biceps is attached to scapula and the radius. There are two points of attachment. One of them is the origin, and the other is the insertion. 
origin, the bone that won't move, which is the scapula. During the movement, this scapula is not moving. But the insertion is in the radius, because that's the one that moves when the, when the biceps works. That's how we define the two points of attachment of a muscle, origin and insertion. And that's important to understand the movement of the body part. Now, movements that the joints um, allow is what follows. Three general types of movements. Gliding movements, angular movements, and rotation. <coughs> Let's see some pictures and examples of these types of movements. A gliding movement, this is described in the insertion between the radius and ulna, basically the radius, and the carpal bones when you do this movement of the, of the hand side to side. And if you place your hand here in the wrist, you can feel that gliding movement. It's like these bones of the carpal region slide over the um, radius and all that. Angular movements is regarding the angle between two bones. And it's a movement along the sagittal plane like flexion and extension. The definition of flexion is a movement that decreases the angle of the joint. What I was just showing here, the biceps, was the action of the biceps. Flexion of the forearm, we say, over the elbow. So this angle of this joint of the elbow is decreasing, and that's how flexion is. Extension increases the angle. We do this, extension of the forearm. Hyperextension, movement beyond the anatomical position. In some parts, we are able to do hyperextension, like in the arm, the whole upper limb. You do this, flexion, and then extension. But when you get in this point, you're doing hyperextension. You're going beyond the anatomical position. As we see here, an example for the head. Flexion, <coughs> extension, what we said or called the yes movement last time. And even hyperextension, because from this movement straight, we can go in this way, and that is hyperextension, beyond the anatomical position. That can also be seen in the vertebral column, flexion, extension, and even hyperextension. These are examples for the upper limbs, flexion, extension, hyperextension. And notice that for the lower limbs, may be confusing because the orientation of the joints are kind of backwards. Because flexion of the leg goes posteriorly, but flexion of the upper limb goes anteriorly. But what counts is the angle of the joint. In flexion of the leg, the angle of the knee joint has been decreased. That's what defines the movement of flexion. And extension, put the leg straight. There are also these movements called abduction, adduction. To differentiate, some people usually, uh, used to say abduction, so you can notice that you are you have a B letter instead of instead of D. 
abduction is movement away from the midline and adduction with double D is a movement towards the midline. Circumduction includes all the movements, a combination of movements. Abduction, extension, flexion is when we do this. Circumduction, move your upper limb in many directions like rotating up and down, abduction, deduction, and if you think about that, it, that's thanks to the shape of the humerus, the head of the humerus on the glenoid cavity, and the scapula, ball and socket. Abduction, examples of these three movements, abduction, adduction, and circumduction. Rotation. Move a body part like over a pivot, like what happens between the C1 and C2 for the no movement. But can also happen the rotation of humors and femur. You can also do this rotation, which can be medial rotation toward the midline or lateral rotation away from the midline. As we see this with the head, lateral rotation or <coughs> medial rotation. And in the upper limb, we can also do this. Classical is when you are pouring like uh, water on your glass, what you do is grab the jar or grab the glass and you do this. When you are doing this, like the thumbs up and you do this, you are rotating your humerus here, up here. If you touch here, you can feel the rotation of the humerus. Supination and pronation, that is a movement, or those are movements that happen and the joint between the radius and ulna, rotation of radius and ulna. Supination is described as palms facing anteriorly and pronation when the palms facing posteriorly. Dorsiflexion and plantar flexion refers to the foot. Dorsiflexion, you bend your foot toward your shin. And plantar flexion is movement you make when you're pointing your toes. Yes. Supination, supination is this. And pronation is this. Yeah. Supination, pronation. Pronation is palms posterior or downwards if you want. Supination, palms up. pronation and supination. What happens is that the radius, the radius rotates over the ulna in that movement of pronation. Anatomical position, you know, is like this, palms facing forward. And from here, if I make my radius rotate over the ulna, that's pronation. When I go back, it's supination. And these are related to the foot, dorsiflexion, and plantar flexion. These are the specific names that we give to these movements related to the foot and the ankle joint. Okay, so after describing these movements of different joints and different directions and planes, um, let's choose a couple of joints which are good examples of um, 
synovial joints. And by the way, they are very important joints. Here we have five examples of uh, synovial joints, like the knee, the shoulder, the elbow, the hip, and the jaw. All of these are synovial joints. But let's pick two to describe some structures that are important to remember. Starting with the knee joint. The knee joint is a very complex joint. And at the same time, it's very unstable. It's very, very enforced, reinforced with strong ligaments and muscles around. And many other structures that we will see. But the bones that participate here are femur, tibia, and patella. These are the three bones involved in the knee joint. Here we have the femoral patellar joint between the femur and patella, and the lateral and medial joints, which are tibiofemoral, because that happens between the tibia and the femur. Remember, lateral condyle, medial condyle, all the femur get in contact with the medial and lateral condyle of the tibia. Now, this knee joint, it has special structures inside, in between these bones, that help even more to resist the weight of the body, and those are the menisci. Here we see the composition of this joint, the femur, the patella, and the tibia. And in between, we can see these discs of, of cartilage called the menisci, which help additionally to provide more protection, more cushioning to this important joint. The menisci, which is a term for plural, because individual, individually they are meniscus. There are two, medial meniscus and lateral meniscus. They are these C-shaped cartilage discs, or like, not completely, but they are like C-shaped located in between the condyles of the femur and the tibia. And here we go with the ligaments. There are two very important ligaments here, which are inside the, the, the joint. The anterior cruciate ligament, this is anterior, and the posterior cruciate ligament, called cruciate because they are crossing each other like a X. And these two ligaments, commonly called ACL and PCL, they actually provide a lot of stability to the, to the knee joint. They can be injured in, usually during sports, you can just tear these ligaments and they have to be repaired. And other uh, ligaments around. Well, this slide is showing the characteristics. Uh, don't forget that the patella is a sesamoid bone and it's in the middle of a tendon which tendon, the tendon of the muscle called quadriceps, the muscle which is in the anterior thigh. 
And there are ligaments like the medial and lateral retinacula and the fibular and tibial collateral ligaments. All these ligaments, they provide, again, as I said, stability to the joint in different directions. If one of these ligaments is broken or injured, then the knee joint gets very unstable. And sometimes people, when they are walking around, they complain of the, my knee fails and I fell to the floor. It feels like the knee is failing. And that's because the knee has become very unstable because of the injury of the ligaments. Here we see a picture of the knee joint covered by all these ligaments. Here we have the big muscle, very strong, called the quadriceps femoris and the anterior thigh. The patella is anterior, and as I said, it's in the middle of the tendon of the quadriceps. So anteriorly, the joint is well protected. Now, if we go to both sides, we'll see two bands of ligament called the lateral retinaculum and the medial retinaculum that provide additional protection anteriorly. And lateral, laterally, we have two ligaments. The fibular collateral ligament, which goes from the femur to the fibula, and the tibial collateral, which goes from the femur to the tibia. And they are lateral, they provide stability to both sides of the knee joint. Today in the lab, we're gonna bring some models of knee joints, so you can identify some of these ligaments very well in those models. And these are the ACL and PCL, we saw them in the previous picture, they are intra-articular and they provide, they're very important to provide the stability to the knee joint, the intracapsular, intra-articular. Another view of this joint, we can see inside the ACL, the anterior cruciate ligament, PCL, and if you notice, they are crossing each other. There's the anterior and the posterior comes behind and making a, a cross with the anterior. We can see the menisci, lateral and medial menisci, and the lateral ligaments called fibular collateral and tibial collateral. These two lateral ligaments are very commonly injured in soccer, football, running, and they can have different degrees, maybe just overstretching, or sometimes the ligaments tear and they have to be repaired. And that's an actual dissection of the knee joint. Or it's basically see the same components here. This band of tissue does a fibular collateral ligament. And here, this band of tissue does the tibial collateral ligament. The tibial collateral ligament is stronger, is thicker. The fibular is much thinner. And here in between we see the anterior cruciate ligament. The meniscus is here. The medial and the lateral meniscus.
The other joint that we're going to pick is a shoulder joint or a glenohumeral. Synovial joint, diarthrosis, ball and socket, and also surrounded by many ligaments that provide a stability. Components. We see the head of the femur of the humerus, the glenoid cavity of the scapula, and ligaments. One of the ligaments is shown here and it's called coracoacromial ligament. The name says the connections from the coracoid process of the scapula to the acromion. We see a long tendon, the long head of the biceps tendon. See this tendon of the biceps is really long and is going over the joint. This is the one that is wrapped with a tendon sheath to be protected. We can also see the subacromial space with a bursa and a muscle called the supraspinatus muscle that is also going around the joint. All these provide a stability to this shoulder joint. Some parts. Glenoid labrum. What is glenoid labrum? Well, the scapula, the scapula provides a socket, but that socket is not very deep. If you compare this socket with the socket of the hip bone, the hip bone is more complete. It's more round, it has more room. This is just a, like a concave surface. So around the surface, there must be some additional tissue to provide more stability, and that's a labrum. It's a cartilage rim, cartilage rim around the glenoid cavity that adds depth to that cavity and improves the contact and the degree of motion of this joint. And ligaments, the names of the ligaments you shall tell, usually tell you where, to, where they go from, where to where. Coracohumeral, from the coracoid process of the scapula to the humerus. Glenohumeral, from the glenoid cavity to the humerus. We see them here. All that we see in blue here, all these bands, bands of tissue, in different directions, they are glenohumeral ligaments that fuse with the capsule, actually. This is what we see when we open this, the capsule reinforced by bands of tissue. Those bands of tissue are the glenohumeral ligaments. Then the other ligaments are seen here, the coracoacromial, which we saw in the previous one. There is an acromioclavicular joint up here between the clavicle and the acromion. And here the bursa. Excuse me? Hmm? This is an anterior view. Anterior view, because you see the scapula here, and also this is the subscapula. Remember, the spine of the scapula is more posterior. And in this shoulder, one important thing is to mention the group of muscles called rotator cuff muscles. The rotator cuff muscles are four, and they are muscles that connect the scapula to the humerus. 
and they're going to work in medial rotation and lateral rotation. So when I, in this position, palms facing forward, like this, and I make this movement, that's lateral rotation. This is medial rotation. So for this movement, medial lateral rotation, I'm going to use my rotator cuff muscles. And this is a list of the rotator cuff muscles. We're going to see them again when we get to the muscles, but here just mentioned them. Subscapularis, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, and teres minor. How they work is seen here. Anterior, we have the subscapularis. And it's in the subscapular fossa and connects to the humerus here. And posterior, we have three muscles. Supraspinatus, infraspinatus, which is this big one, and teres minor. Teres minor. So the supraspinatus, teres minor, and infraspinatus, they do lateral rotation. Subscapularis, medial rotation. That's how these four muscles move the scapula. So here in the list, the subscapularis is involved in medial rotation, and these three, lateral rotation of the humerus. The hip joint. A couple of words about the hip joint because it's a very important joint. It's a ball and socket. There's more space for the head of the femur here. And it's a very good range of motion. There is also a labrum, a rim of cartilage around the, um, the socket that provides more depth and secure the head of the femur better, as we see here. Here we see the labrum, it's like a rim around the socket. See the head of the femur, we have opened this capsule, articular capsule, and we see inside the joint. There is a ligament here that connects the head of the femur to the acetabulum. And that is called the ligament of the head of the femur. And if you see the femur here in the head, it has a little depression, which is called fovea capitis. When you see the individual bones, you'll see that. That is a place of insertion of this ligament. Well, there are ligaments, very strong ligaments also around the hip joint and they are called iliofemoral because it goes from the ilium to the femur, pubofemoral, pubis, femur, and ischiofemoral from ischium to the femur. Plus the ligament of the head of the femur that we saw in the picture called ligamentum teres provides greater stability to this joint. And these pictures are showing this Ligaments, very strong, going from the ilium to the femur, from the ischium to the femur, and surrounding the capsule completely. Anterior, we will see this, iliofemoral, and this one is the pubofemoral, from the pubis to the femur.
All these are seen like a thick membrane, thick membrane that includes the capsule and provides uh, a lot of protection to the structures inside. Now, finally, some words about lesions and common injuries related with joints. The most common is sprain. Ankle sprain is one of the most common. What happens is an overstretching of the ligament. That's how we define, how we define a sprain, an overstretching. Or the ligament may be torn. Very common in the ankle, but it can happen at the knee or in any other ligament. And if the ligament breaks completely, it usually requires surgery to suture a stitching back and a long treatment with immobilization and time for the ligament to heal. Dislocations when the bones are forced out of alignment. They usually come with a sprain, like uh, you have an ankle sprain and a dislocation of the ankle joint. For that to happen, the capsule must be torn or overstretched, so it will give enough room for, let's say, the head of the humerus get out of the glenoid cavity. The luxation of the shoulder, so shoulder dislocation, sometimes it's also seen in, in, in sports. And, uh, it's an overstretching of ligaments, capsule, and the bone gets out of the socket. But these two are common, bursitis, tendonitis. We mentioned them, usually common around the shoulder, but it happens around the knee also because there are bursae also under the patella, there are bursae in both sides, around the ligaments, lateral, collateral, and tibial and fibular. And a different type of uh, disease affects the joints. And as usually called, generally, generally is called, uh, generally called arthritis, which stands for inflammation. Inflammation, but it can be of different types. There may be inflammations to the joints, acute inflammations caused by microorganisms, but there may be chronic forms of arthritis. Osteoarthritis, is very common and uh, as part of the aging process. And what happens is destruction of the ligaments, I mean the cartilage inside the joint. And rheumatoid arthritis is a more complex problem. It has to do with immune system, it's an autoimmune disease. Gouty arthritis is a metabolic type of arthritis where Uric acid in excessive amount affects some particular joints, producing inflammation. And when someone has arthritis, the symptoms are usually pain, stiffness, and swelling of the joint. The joint is swollen, red, painful. And the next step is to find out what we have. Is it acute because of an infection? Maybe some rheumatoid arthritis, gouty arthritis, or if the person is 60, 65 years old or more, then we may think about osteoarthritis because of the aging process. But these problems affect inside the joint.
inside the joint where the synovial membrane is, the synovial fluid, um, and this affects the mobility, if, especially if it's chronic. And um, you have problems later to move the joint, to walk, and other treatments, specialized treatments are, are used. Okay, questions? Okay, I'm going to bring the, the cards with the bones and uh, there's one more handout here with a list of uh, ligaments and structures of joints that you need to review also as part of this practice. Yeah, Thank <laughs> you. 